You're listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to master the stock market and the art of being a dad. So pull up your cargo shorts, put on your grass-stained New Balances, and let's throw some stocks on the grill. Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Sabala. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stocks and Sandals podcast. This is your host, Mike Sabala, and we have an awesome episode planned for you guys today. Uh, I think the only thing that could possibly ruin this episode is the stock father himself, DJ Brown, is sick today. He's got a little bit of a cold. (laughs) Doing all right, bud? (laughs) I got the sniffles. It's not the Rona, I promise. Um, it's allergy season. It's, uh, it's just a cold, but I am not yeah. feeling the best. Yeah. So if okay. I <laughs> randomly cough or blow my nose or whatever, uh, Mike's either going to have to edit it out or you're all just going to have to deal with listening to it. But, um, yeah, no, we're super excited for today. Uh, talking is not the easiest for me right now. As I talk, the more I want to cough, um, <laughs> which is maybe it is Rona. Who knows? But um, it probably is. As a uh, as a doctor myself, I uh, I can uh, <laughs> confirm you have Corona. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would not take medical advice from you. Um, but anyways, uh, we are super excited today to be joined by our special guest, Aaron Goss. Ghosts. Gose, Goosey. I know I talked to you about it before, but I've literally already forgot. Well, what is it again? Wow. <laughs> and Aaron Ghost. I, I totally Ghost. get it. Every uh, every class, every person I've met <laughs> asks the is. same question. Ghost, G-O-S-E. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, we don't all have a super basic name like Brown, so I also <laughs> yeah. got that a lot in school. <laughs> yeah. David nope. James Brown is probably the most generic name in the whole world, but that's okay. Just means every time I go to an airport, I get pulled aside because there's like a thousand <laughs> terrorists with my name. Um, so, you know, it's just uh, kind of the nature of the beast. So, um, but no, we're going to be talking to Aaron today about futures. Uh, and I'm pretty excited about this because I've heard this term thrown around a lot. And I've just been honestly too lazy to go look it up and I don't know what it means. <laughs> um, so I'm pretty excited to, to be spoon fed some information about futures and but before i do i'd like aaron to just take a minute tell us about your background tell us about um who you are what you do uh you know what kind of uh how can people find you what kind of services you have all that kind of fun stuff awesome well thank you for the introduction um my background is very unique in that i started trading when i was about 14 and i was trading physical silver 10 ounce bars uh, dad got me into it and it was confusing and just intriguing as can be. I did that for about four years, watched the daily and monthly charts for silver, traded back and forth between a, a dealer. So you take your 10 ounce bars of silver, you put it in a bag and you give it to him and he gives you cash and back and forth and back and forth every few months. Um, when I turned 18, started trading, uh, in the more digital markets and realized that liquidity was fantastic. I didn't have to wait two weeks to sell my 10 ounce bars. I could click a button and boom, it's there. Um, And it's just a a weird way to to get started. Since then, I've been trading uh, futures and options 
pretty much full time. I actually left my uh, day job three weeks ago at the time of recording, hey, and uh, now it's one hundred percent full time. So a little bit <laughs> daunting. Awesome. Uh, parents are supportive of it, which is awesome. As is the girlfriend. The girlfriend's parents are still on the fence, but I understand the concern. <laughs> <laughs> but nothing, nothing good in life is easy. So you got to take the risk. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, th- that story of you physically trading bars. Uh, I mean, you sound like straight off like the Oregon Trail or something. Like that's that's yeah, really you cool. Sound like a bank robber, honestly. <laughs> like you go steal these nice. bars and add the, sell them to like some kind of yeah, fence. Those, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, we had uh, a, a a tan uh, shoulder sack, and you go and give them. 500 plus ounces of silver and then do it again in three to six months and over and over and over. It was very weird, but (laughs) it really helped understand the value that, Hey, there is something here that we're actually trading. It's not just numbers on a screen, right? There's, there's some meaning behind it. So Mm -hmm. that foundation has been really good for me. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. So, um, Kind of the first question that I want to dive into, and again, questions about things that you have like literally no idea are kind of challenging uh, because you don't even know what to ask if you don't know yeah. what uh, what you don't know. But um, so kind of just explain to me, uh, I mean, you already talked about silver a little bit, but like what the heck are futures? <laughs> like just give me the rundown, the basics. Yeah, and I'm going to use silver as the example because it is easy to uh, to explain that way and people know what silver is. So a futures contract at its most basic form is just a contract to buy a specific item, whether it be silver, gold, uh, shares of the S&P 500, corn, coffee, whatever. And your contract is to buy that good or sell it, of course, at a specific price at a specific date. So if I am someone who is buying and selling gold constantly, and let's say that I've got a huge uh, safe full of gold. If I believe that the price is going to go down in the next six months, I can buy or sell a futures contract to hedge my physical silver. I can do the same thing as a farmer of coffee beans or wheat. If I believe that we're going to have a really poor year, I can hedge that. Uh, I can hedge the farm. And companies like Starbucks who purchase coffee beans or companies like Kroger or Kellogg's who purchase corn and soy and wheat and everything that goes into making their products, they can hedge their investment by using futures contracts against the farms that they're buying. And futures are a very centralized system in that it's one person to one person or one trader to one trader. There's no market makers or anything like that. So there's no manipulation in that form. However, because you have that person-to-person interaction, a single person can uh, fat finger their keyboard and cause the price of oil to skyrocket while drunkenly trading at 2 a.m. in London. And there's a a fun story that you can Google if you want. That was a a great evening. I'm glad I was not a part of that. Um, But let's just say he was fired the next morning. Um, So so at its most basic form, it's just a contract to allow you to buy or sell some item, some good at a future price at a predetermined date. 
or a predetermined price. So hold on, Mike, I, and I'm interrupting you already, uh, and this is your turn to ask a question, but I'm just, uh, I am have <laughs> a thousand of them now all of a sudden. It's like- You're probably going to ask my question. <laughs> probably. <laughs> and then I'm just going to be sitting here like, Oh, yep, probably, but that's okay because you know what? I'm the alpha male. I spoke up first, so deal with it. Uh, (laughs) No. So, all right. (laughs) Great. Um, All right. So this sounds like, okay. So first of all, I always thought futures like were gold and silver and stuff. Like I didn't realize that these were like options on different things, not options, but contracts on different things. It sounds similar to options trading kind of in a way i mean and i know you you also do some options spread trading and stuff like that can you kind of tell me how it's different from like you know buying an a call option you know where you set a predetermined date in the future that you think this thing's going to be worth more or a a put option or whatever where you think it's going to be less kind of because it sounds similar to me yeah so the the biggest difference between futures and options And I'm going to get really complicated before I explain it and say that, yes, there are options on futures. Don't uh, don't get that confused. But an option is the option to buy or sell at a specific price at a specific date. A future is a requirement to buy or sell. It is a contract stating that you must do this. So that leads to issues where... If you are trading crude oil, so earlier this year when crude went negative, there was a requirement for every contract holder to purchase physical drums of oil. Well, if you can't store that oil, if you can't uh, transport that oil, if you don't have the actual capital to buy that oil, you still have to. The oil will show up at your door. Um with options, you can be assigned, you can have an exercise on your contract, and then you can give those shares away, and your broker will do it for you. Futures are a lot more uh, complex in that way because you have to. So that's the main difference. The second difference is that options are generally on stocks and ETFs, so they're going to be digitally traded products where you can just send the shares to another trader or to whoever assigned or exercised their contract. For futures, it is very, very physical. It happens with a set number of uh, items being traded or sold. So what's the difference? Are futures and like trading commodities the same thing? Is there a difference there? There is a slight difference. So trading the commodity, if you're trading... Uh, like gold spot, 10 ounce bars or 100 ounce bars or whatever, you're trading physical gold. When you're trading the futures contract on gold, GC, you are trading the right to buy or sell that physical gold. So you're just basically trading insurance contracts back and forth. And then at expiration, whoever holds it deals with it. Okay. So you better know what you're doing at expiration. Gotcha. Yeah, because when you're describing it before DJ rudely interrupted my question, I was going to say it kind of sounds like futures are almost 
options on commodities and then maybe they're not but that's still kind of what it sounds like to me yeah, it's very similar the, the easiest way to explain it is it's just insurance if i am a coffee maker and i need coffee beans if i believe that coffee is going to be extremely expensive if a farm burns down or if there's a huge drought and the supply of coffee beans is garbage the demand goes up and so does the price so i as a coffee maker need to hedge that risk by purchasing a coffee bean futures contract. And that's all it is. And 100% speculation. Okay. okay. So, um, I mean, can anybody trade futures? Cause I feel like I haven't seen those things as like options on some of the, like the apps that I use or the brokers that I use. Like, is that for anybody or they're like, barriers to entry or something that you have to go through to get to be eligible or what does that look like? So a lot of the newer, more user-friendly brokers like Robinhood and Webull and First Trade don't deal with futures because of the unlimited risk. Futures are a product that if the underlying goes up by $1, the futures contract will move that times some variable. So for the S&P 500 futures, $1 move in the S&P 500 or one point is a $50 move for the contract itself. So if it goes up 10 points on ES, so from 3,400 to 3,410, the trader is going to make the 10 points times 50. The same thing happens in the reverse. If you're short, you're going to lose that. So these smaller more user-friendly brokers, I guess we can call them, don't want to deal with the unlimited risk that Futures has. There's a, a separate disclosure, a separate agreement that states, yes, I know what I'm doing. And unfortunately, a lot of traders, new investors, whatever they want to call themselves, don't know what they're doing and will find themselves in a margin call very quickly. The other barrier to entry besides just having a broker that offers Futures is the margin required. So a contract like ES Futures, which is one uh, one share of the S&P 500, so to speak, is going to have a margin requirement between five grand and $13,000, depending on if you're holding it intraday, day trading it, or if you're holding it overnight or through session breaks. So that's a pretty nasty barrier to entry when the average Robinhood account size is only a few thousand dollars, if that. In the last few years, there have been what are called micro futures, which are basically one-tenth the size. So there's micro gold, uh, micro S&P 500 or ES futures, and those have an entry barrier that are less because they're one-tenth and the margin requirements one-tenth. So it's 500 bucks to 1300 bucks, depending on the broker and how you're trading it. So it's a lot easier in the past few years to get into futures. Um, there are also companies that allow you to simulate trading futures and prove that you know what you're doing and they will fund you by giving you the margin required to trade futures. So that's also been a really nice barrier uh, that's been lowered for a lot of people. So uh, it sounds like they're like futures are very like hev heavily leveraged. Is there a, can you trade these on a cash account or do you have to use margin? These are margin only because there is the unlimited risk. If I 
go in and do a short contract on gold and then a world war starts overnight, that contract could go exponentially high. And in a cash account, you can't cover that. So you have to have the, the margin disclosure signed with your broker saying that, yes, you do know what you're doing and you are using stops and being smart about it. Okay. And then you said, you mentioned day trading them. Um, with it being only margin accounts, like does that day trading rule apply or is it, are the numbers like so much that you wouldn't run into that anyway? So futures don't have a pattern day trading rule, which if more new traders knew about that, they'd be trading futures and then would probably blow up. That's probably um, <laughs> I can edit this part out for, for the safety yep. of everybody. <laughs> I, I've done it. I, I totally get it. Um, I've done it a few times. But yeah, futures don't have a pattern day trading rule. So there is no minimum as far as account size goes. You just have to be able to cover the margin requirement for that contract. Um, so you can trade in and out every second of the day. And the only thing you'd care about is commission because that will add up quickly. So <clears throat> they don't have the pattern day trading rule. Is that is it also kind of like, uh, I mean, crypto is the same way, right? Where there's no, you know, pattern day trading rule. Are they, are futures traded 24 seven? Like what are the hours? Like, cause it's different than the normal stock market hours, right? Yeah, so futures open a new session at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And that session goes all the way overnight through the uh, Asian markets, European markets, into New York markets, and then closes at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And between 5 and 6 or when everything's settled and books are closed and the market is given time to do what it needs needs to do for accounting, so to speak, and then it opens up again at 6 p.m. It runs from Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern with the 5 to 6 p.m. session breaks all the way till Friday afternoon. So there's no uh, Friday evening through Sunday afternoon session. Okay. Um, do futures kind of... So sometimes, like, do they kind of move with the stock market? And typically, is it kind of like the same type of ebbs and flows? Do they kind of move against it? Is it doesn't matter? Is it unpredictable? Yeah. So there's different contracts that you can trade. So the ES futures or S&P 500 is what basically tracks the entire market. So if you have a, an ETF like SPY or the index uh, like SPX, ES futures are going to be very close to a mirror in, in the movement of those products. Things like gold and silver futures, GC and SI, um, are the ticker symbol for those. They're going to follow the spot price of gold and silver. So when you look at the market as a whole, let's say you're waking up at 9 a.m. Eastern, it's pre-market, you're waiting to see what the S&P 500 or what SPY is gonna do, you commonly look at ES futures to see how it performed overnight. Uh, same thing for over the weekend. Uh, you want to see how is the news, how is politics affecting the market? You look at futures, and that'll tell you what you should expect for that 9.30 a.m. open. Is there, you mentioned like the different sessions. Um, is there like a better time to trade it? Like, does it go, I guess, is the market hotter during certain sessions since it's like a global thing? 
you know, people are sleeping and everything? Like, how does that work? Absolutely. So it really depends on your trading style, but you are going to have periods where there is just not a lot of liquidity, right? People are sleeping, you're in between uh, major sessions, or you can have moments uh, during the day, like 9.30 to, to 4 p.m. Eastern, where the U.S. markets are just moving and you've got tons of liquidity in your futures contracts. So it really depends on the trading style. Um, in the evening, if it's a really low volatility market, you can see half a point to a, a point worth of movement in an hour and you can be bored as can be. And then you hit 9.30 market open and you're moving five to 10 points in a few minutes. So you have to be mindful of, hey, there is nobody on the other side of this trade. Or if there is, they're going to get it for a great price because there's nobody else. It, each trade is person to person, trader to trader. So there has to be somebody on the other side. It's not going to be an algo uh, as a market maker or a firm as a market maker. So you said, um, you said that before that if you buy a futures contract, it's a requirement to purchase that good at that date. Correct? Exactly. So trading it is trading that requirement to somebody else? Exactly. You are simply taking this futures contract or very similarly an insurance contract and you're handing the risk to somebody else. You originally purchased it for X amount of dollars. You expect the value of it to go up and then you sell it to somebody else who expects the value to go up. And that's all it is. So as long as you're not holding it at market close on expiration day, you have no obligation to actually receive what you are trading that contract on. And futures contracts, there are monthly expirations and you'll see them line up with major option expiration dates. So like October 16th of, of this year was a futures, uh, or sorry, an, an options expiration date and a futures expiration date for a few products. In September, uh, the exact date on that was the 18th of September, 2020, was a major quarterly expiration date for futures, as well as a monthly expiration for options. And everybody who's holding contracts on closing of that date is required to get whatever they are trading. So whether it be oil, soybeans, corn, uh, S&P 500, whatever it is, they're required to actually take possession of that. Okay. So how does that... Nope. No, 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 no. Hold on. Sorry. Because <laughs> we're gonna, you're going to take it a totally different direction. No, you're going to steal my question. No, I don't think I'm going to. So if, you if you're selling that risk to somebody else, okay, so let's say you've got an expiration date. Give me an example of an expiration date, just like a realistic one. Like, uh, September 18th. Okay, so on September 18th, that contract is set to expire or whatever, and now you're or to yeah. be exercised or whatever, right? And you sell that to somebody. Let's say you try and sell it on the 17th. Does it extend for the person who just bought it or are they locked in for the next day? And if that's the case, like why would anybody ever buy that unless they actually wanted the physical product? So you can buy and sell every second that the market is open. So if you're day trading that, front month expiration, the one that expires tomorrow, for example, you can 
buy and sell that, buy and sell that. And as long as you're not holding it in the last second of the day of that expiration day, you're not obligated to take possession of it. With contracts, as they get closer to expiration, their volume is going to trickle out a little bit as those who actually care about what they're uh, trading as far as the commodity itself are the only ones left. All the day traders, all of the swing traders, they've moved on to that next quarterly or monthly contract so that they don't have to deal with the the commodity itself. So typically somebody who ends up with the with the actual product at the end probably wanted the actual product. It's not like a game of hot potato and they just got screwed over and were the last ones holding it. I mean, unless I guess something went wrong, <laughs> you know, but most of the time those people want it and that's why they are willing to buy it at the end. Correct? Exactly. Yeah, they're in most cases they are using it as its intended purpose as a hedge and they want to take possession of corn, soybean, gold, whatever. So so yeah, that that pretty much was my question. Um, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yes, I love when that happens. Would that be like I don't know, like Walmart actually buying corn? Like is yeah. So for for uh, crude oil, a company like Exxon Mobil, who is trying to hedge the production of oil, the supply and demand of oil, the market, everything that's going on, politics, everything, and they are taking possession of oil to refine it and turn it into gasoline or it could be a company like starbucks and there's a huge um huge drought and coffee beans are in high demand because there's a low supply they are taking possession of coffee beans to make their product and that's where futures and options really differ because there is a use for these futures contracts it's not just a oh this is an investment in some stock or etf it has an actual purpose. So I guess the one thing that's still not connecting for me, like I get the premise of it, I get kind of the end goal and and all that kind of stuff, but can you explain more the like how this is fruitful for the trader? Like the the ticks part of it, are you you said something about ticks and like that it's like exponential. So can you just explain like how this is how this is profitable? And it's is it similar to just how stock prices are going up and you're selling it because you are selling it when it's higher because you had the contract for it being lower or something? I'm sorry. I know that's a dumb way to ask this question, but just try and explain that to me because that's the part that's like not clicking. You sound so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. That's a great question because it, it is a little confusing. Stocks and ETFs and options and everything that is traded on the market um, especially actively traded, right? Day trading, uh, swing traded, whatever over a session are looking at technicals, chart patterns, uh, fundamentals, politics, messing everything up. There's a lot of things that traders can use to determine a bias on the product they're trading. So if I see a momentum stock or a penny stock, whatever, that's taking off because everybody's buying it, the same thing can happen with futures. If you have some sort of uh, great morning in tech where there was a great earnings report overnight and there's a lot of participants, everybody's buying, futures contracts are going to do the same thing. They're going to move bullish and you can enter, right? Buy to open a futures contract and sell it 10 seconds, 
10 minutes, an hour later for a higher value that you bought it for. And that's the goal of most day traders is if they're doing it right anyways, is to buy it low and sell it high at the most basic form. You've got uh, everything up until that last few seconds before expiration is just speculation. Okay. Um, I have one more question before <laughs> I'm going to steal another one of Mike's. Um, yeah, go for it. So are there like ways, because this is scary to me, um, just like options. I mean, like it's, it's so foreign to me that it just doesn't register. I'm sure Mike has more like actual questions about how they work and stuff, but like, is there a way to like paper trade this? Like this something you can do, like you can paper trade stocks? Yeah. So there's a, a few ways to do it. The easiest way to do it is by going through TD Ameritrade and signing up for the paper trading platform. There's a full tutorial and walkthrough that I did for the platform itself. If anybody's uh, looking for help there, but TD Ameritrade allows you to trade. Uh, I think it's 15 or 20 minute partially delayed data and you can call them and go, Hey, can I get real time data? I'm interested in the product and they'll give it to you and you can sit there and trade uh, in and out. It will check the volume and go, is there actually a contract being traded at this price? So it's as close to real live trading as it can be. Um, there's also a few brokers that offer uh, getting funded and actually giving you the buying power to trade live. And in order to do that, you trade in a simulated paper trading environment with them and whichever broker they use. Uh, TradeStation is the one that I use for all of my trading as far as futures go. And you can sit there and trade the same way, fake capital and practice with fake entries and exits on real charts. Okay. Yeah. And that is the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah, it was probably the only way that I would ever even think about trying it <laughs> because until I do something like is is I feel like you're doing an excellent job of explaining it because I feel like I understand it way better than I did, but it's just something that I feel like at, at some point like I would have to try and just to understand how it actually functions before diving in for sure. Yeah. Because they look so daunting, right? Futures they're scary. Um, half of the practice in the first day of trading futures is learning where the buttons are, clicking by, looking at the price of the chart and your actual P&L and going, wow, that doesn't line up. And then realizing that, yes, there's a multiplier of 10, 50, 25, whatever. And then it's just buy and sell. And it's a quick calculation of I made 10 points and I know that this contract is multiplied by 50. So it's 50 bucks or 500 bucks if I'm making 10 points on ES, for example. So paper trading is absolutely the way to do it and know that there's no risk to it. So press every button and learn what it does. For sure. Um, so I have two really quick questions. The first one is probably really dumb, but I want to make sure I didn't mishear you earlier. Um, earlier, did you say that you can get futures contracts on something like the S&P? Absolutely. So ES futures, ticker symbol ES, uh, depending on the broker, there may be a backslash or an exclamation point or an ampersand or an at in front of it. Um, but ES futures track the entire S&P 500 and will increase or decrease accordingly. So if Apple goes up a little bit, its percent in the S&P will also cause the futures contract to increase. 
So there's futures on ES or the S&P 500. There's futures on NASDAQ, on Dow. Um, there's futures on Russell. You can get into foreign markets and do futures in Japan and China. Um, there's just so many different products that you can trade. The most common are ES and NQ and then oil, which isn't an index. <laughs> right. So when you're getting futures on those, when it X, when the contract expires, you're just getting shares. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's an, uh, I'm blanking on the word. There's an exercise process and you're getting that product. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and then my other question was in regards to, you said there are like companies that would front you the margin required to like get into these contracts. Are those typically like financial institutions that want to make money off of it? Or are those typically like you said, like the oil companies that actually want the, the oil? Like, why would they do that? Why would they front you that money? That's a great question. So the company that I work with or the firm that I work with is called Top Step Trader. And their goal is to help traders get funded. And the reward for that, for them, how they make their money is one, they take 20% of what you make with their capital. So you keep 80%, which is awesome. They make 20% of what you're trading. So they want to know that you are going to be responsible. You've got the risk uh, management and discipline required. And in order to prove that to them and so that they can pay the fees to build this opportunity, they charge a monthly uh, kind of like an interview fee. So you, you pay them to open an account with them in a simulated account. You get live data, which is partially what your so-called interview fee pays for. And you trade and follow their steps. So if in five days you hit a certain profit target and you didn't break any of the rules of you're not allowed to trade during this time, or you're not allowed to exceed X number of contracts. If you follow the rules and you hit that profit target, you're moved on to step two. In step two, it's the same rules, except for the addition of a scaling plan, where you start out with X number of contracts, one, and you slowly move up your position size as you get more buffer in profit. Now, you don't have to move up your position size. You can stay at one contract forever which is responsible to do. Um, that's what I do forever, and it's fantastic. It's very consistent. But as long as you hit that profit target, you follow the risk management and discipline rules, they'll front you up to $150,000 worth of buying power, and you can trade upwards of 15 contracts uh, day trading. So you cannot hold it through that 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. session break. And they have their own rule that you can't hold it past 4, 10 p.m. Eastern because that's when liquidity really dies off and they don't want their money at risk during that time. Gotcha. So when you trade, um, they're like, so with like Robinhood and all these new and up and coming like commission free trading apps and stuff like that, are there fees that you pay for every trade that you do um, with futures or is it, is it all you know free or what's that look like? Yeah, so there's going to be regular commission and exchange fees. So for uh, companies or brokers like uh, TD Ameritrade, Thinkorswim, or TradeStation, it's going to be roughly $2 to $2.25 per contract to open and close. And for a 
a product like ES Futures where a quarter point, known as a tick, is a $12.50 move on your P&L, your commission of two twenty-five each way is going to be pretty min- If you're scalping one-point moves, you're going to have a much higher commission add up over time, um, but it's going to be very doable so long as you're responsible and not just digging a hole. So, I mean, for with commissions, tradings and stuff like that being like $2.25 or whatever and all that kind of stuff, is there even like like the equivalent of like a penny stock in the futures market? Are there like anything really that cheap or is it all really like a lot more expensive stuff because you're dealing with physical products and stuff? Yeah, so the smallest uh, liquid contract is the micro E-minis, ticker symbol MES, with a slash or exclamation point in front of it, depending on what broker you're on. And that's going to be a two, a sorry, a $1.25 increment of quarter points for MES. So if you have a one-point move or a $1 move in MES, it's going to be $5 instead of 50 and on that, the commission is going to be slightly less. I don't remember the exact value. I believe it's somewhere close to a dollar to a dollar twenty-five. So the commission on that will definitely add up quicker. Um, but those being able to swing trade and go for ten to a hundred points over a few sessions, you're going to be making fifty to five hundred bucks and paying your dollar twenty-five for the open and dollar twenty-five for the close. So it will add up, but it really depends on how you're trading that product. Yeah. So basically those are kind of like if we had to equate them to a stock, it'd be like a fractional share of something much larger, kind of like the micro. Sort stuff of, yeah. It's a completely different contract, but it has the same, uh, same movement, same effect as you would of a, of a fractional share. It's sure. just defined. Okay. Is it fair to say that if you're like worried about the, commission charges you're probably not going to last very long as a futures trader (laughs) well it's commission is definitely one of the annoying pieces to futures trading um as someone who runs an algorithm that scalps all day those commissions add up and it does suck it takes a decent chunk out um but it's not the end of a strategy if you're doing poorly it's because the strategy isn't working, not because the commissions are adding up. Right. If you're slowly bleeding out and your strategy is trading neutral, you've got something there. You just need to refine it a little bit. Gotcha. Mike, do you have any other questions on this stuff before we kind of move on, move on to the next section? <laughs> um, I have kind of like a fun question that might transition us naturally. If you want. Ooh, it's almost <laughs> like you p- prepared this. I did because I didn't know what futures were before we started. (laughs) Um, Do you have like any horror stories about like actually getting the, the product you're trading? Yeah. Have you had like 50 like barrels of oil show up your doorstep or something? (laughs) So luckily none of those, none of those horror stories, the, the closest that I got, was earlier this year when oil actually went negative. And oil itself, when you're trading the futures contract or when you're buying it specifically, 
you need to be able to transport and house that oil, whether it be in an oil tanker or in some other uh, legally allowable container. When oil went negative, that contract, rather than getting paid to purchase that oil, you were paying somebody else to hold it on your behalf. And it was a very weird time. And a lot of traders freaked out. A lot of funds and uh, prop firms actually blew up because it had never happened before. There's a whole bunch of articles explaining the, the reasoning and a great uh, explanation of how it all comes together. But that is the closest I've been to uh, destruction. I was actually able to sell to open a, uh, a long contract in the negatives. And I held it for a few days going back into the positive just to see if I could. And it was very weird looking at my, uh, my account statement, seeing that I got a positive value on my account to open the trade and a positive value to close the trade. And the accounting was stupid. It, it really, it wasn't worth it, but it was fantastic. <laughs> I remember when that happened and everybody was freaking out. I didn't really know what was going on because that was before I was really invested in this very heavily. Um, but I remember people freaking out about it. Yeah. In, in short, that whole event was right before a contract expiration and the price of oil was going through the floor. And those who had too much oil or didn't want to purchase the oil at the current price were giving that contract to somebody else to deal with. And as you get closer to expiration, the, the risk of, hey, this is actually going to be exercised just gets higher and higher. And it got to the point where people were paying the market, paying other traders to take that contract from them. And that's why it went through the floor. Because if you cannot physically house 500,000 gallons of oil, depending on how many contracts you have, whatever, you still have to take possession of that. So rather than dealing with that nightmare saying, hey, I'm going to pay some trader I'll pay you 500 bucks to deal with that. That's a much better response instead of going, hey, why don't you pay me to take that oil? Well, if nobody wants it, you have to pay somebody to take it. And that is the negative value. That's all it was. And we had never seen that before. That's why it was so scary for everybody. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that almost sounds worse than infinite loss. Like, not only do you have infinite loss, but you like you have like billions of gallons of oil in your front yard on the next morning. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, let's say you bought that contract at thirty dollars, and it goes into the negative. You have to purchase the contract to buy it, and you have to purchase to sell it. That is pretty close to an infinite loss. There is no bottom. Everybody thought it was zero and it was clear that zero was not the bottom. Yeah, that sounds horrifying. But well, uh Aaron, before we before we transition uh to, you know, our dad portion of this uh stuff, is there anything that you feel like we should know that we haven't asked yet? Like should a big like a beginner looking to get in this stuff, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you feel like we should have? There's only one item, and there would be no way that you'd ask this question, so it's all good. Uh every trader that responsibly trades futures has what's called bracket orders where the 
uh, exit for profit or the exit for loss is predefined and sent to the market. So if I'm entering ES at 3,500, I'm at the exact same time sending a sell order at 3510 or a sell to stop order at 3495. And that prevents the infinite loss that these contracts can have from occurring on your account. So if you're sleeping and there's a world war or a massive fire that takes out a crop, your contracts don't go through the floor or through the ceiling against you. So that is the biggest uh, safety net that you can do is having that bracket order on both sides. Okay. So that's it's basically like a stop loss. Exactly. Yeah. It's a built in take profit and stop loss. And it's sent at the exact same time you open your trade. So even if you are the unlucky fellow that opens a contract right at 2 PM, when some news drops, you're not within a fraction of a second in a massive loss. Gotcha. gotcha. That's good to know too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, this has been super helpful. I feel like I'm not uh, totally in the in the clouds anymore with futures. I mean, there's still a lot to learn, I'm sure. Um, and you, you know, the fact that you can paper trade it is a little bit of uh, that's encouraging because that's something that um, you know I feel like would be smart to do for any of our listeners here that think this sounds interesting. Uh, if you haven't de- delved into this, I would recommend, first of all, you know, reaching out to somebody that knows what the heck they're doing, like Aaron, um, or, you know, <laughs> paper trading it and doing your research before getting into this stuff so you don't end up uh, with, like, just buckets of corn in your yard the next day. So, um, but yeah, no, so let's, uh, let's transition. Um, Mike, you are not in the minority again. Aaron is not a dad. So I, I gathered that from earlier. I almost said yeah. something about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the minority, you know, I don't know why I keep inviting uh, you non dads to this stock dads podcast. It kind of goes against branding, but you know, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you um, you know, do, man. sell out. Yeah. We, we got to get guests on here somehow. So <laughs> you can't be too picky. <laughs> no, uh, no, that was uh, that was awesome, man. But um, so we always do our dad jokes. So, uh, Mike, what do you got for us this week? Do you got anything? Aaron, I'm coming to you next. So if you don't have one, you better start Googling. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, thinking just, that he's oh, ready. He's ready. I was just scrolling because the listeners don't know this, but I was having some uh, issues before we started. So I did not get my typical time to prepare a joke. But I have one. I'm ready. Okay. I don't think I don't think I've shared this one. Um, so what do you call dental x-rays? Uh, I don't know. Toothpicks. <laughs> oh man. Yep. <laughs> uh, that's actually really corny and I like it. Yeah, okay. it's corny one. That was great. Well done. <laughs> Uh, that's a good one. That was a genuine laugh. That wasn't a fake one for the kit for the recording. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's another. That was another courtesy of Brooke, our uh, chiropractor here in Central Iowa. Man, she is just full of them. Yeah, she kills it. I'm gonna start invoicing her for all these shoutouts you give her on our podcast. I made that joke last time. But yeah, it was just as funny this time, though. Don't worry. <laughs> it's no longer a joke. Like, I'm going to send her one. All right, Aaron, what do you got for us, man? 
So the the simple one-liner that never fails or never succeeds is a red ship and a blue ship collided and all the sailors were marooned. That's a good one. How do you use that in like natural conversation is what I want to, so I want to, I got to figure out a way that like some of these I can, I got to start working on my dad joke game. Cause I feel like all these dads are non dads like Mike and you and all that have better dad jokes than me. So I got to figure out how I can use these in conversation. It, it's all situational. You just have to build your bank and be ready when the time arises. Right. Cause you can't, you can't plan it. It's just going <laughs> to happen. You guys are so ready to be dads and you don't even know it. It's crazy. Yeah, if this podcast mm-hmm. has revealed anything to anybody, it's that you are a shell of a dad with <laughs> weak jokes. That's true. That's true. Aaron, your girlfriend's parents, uh, if they weren't comfortable with you before, after hearing that dad joke, they should know that you're going to be a phenomenal father. So they should know that you're going to be great and you'll be a, you know, good for long-term dadage-ness. So, um, yeah, they've they've heard a few of them and and rolled their eyes and gone, oh boy. There you go. I like it. All right. I got one for you guys. Um, So, how do you get a squirrel out of a tree? Is there like, Nuts joke mm, here. <laughs> yeah, you pull down your pants and show them your nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I bet, uh, yeah, the squirrels would probably see you and just be like, "Not worth my time. Not worth the energy. <laughs> That's gonna feed me for like a a snack. Not even." <laughs> Aaron, how all the uh, nature based. Dad jokes are coming up. Yeah. I like it. Aaron's, uh, Aaron's camera froze just as I told that joke, and he's just like angrily scowling at me, like in his picture. So I'm like, I'm looking at Aaron. I'm like, dang, it was that bad of a joke, huh? He's like, I am mad at that joke. The recording platform just knew. <laughs> It just knew it needed to pause there. That's awesome. It was like a built-in sensor feature. Is like because if you didn't, then I was you were gonna just like flip me off or something. That was horrible. Uh, and the true joke is it wasn't frozen. No. Yeah. Right. Oh, you're now you're a ventriloquist too. And this is turning. This is turning quickly. So we should probably wrap it up because I'm gonna say something really awkward or dumb. Spiraling. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so let's, uh, let's wrap it up here, but before we do, I just want to give Aaron, Aaron, like this is your, uh, chance to, um, spill your guts on where people can find you, uh, what you can offer them, all that kind of fun stuff. What do you got? Absolutely. So the, the biggest thing is I trade every day. I quit my job a few weeks ago and very happy with it after trading for nearly a decade at this point. Um, but I do all of my trading and, uh, growing with the community at wingtrades.com. I'm one of the founding members and current COO. Um, A lot of what we do is equity and options, and futures have become a lot more uh, popular in the last few years. As of July of this year, we released a massive product, which is the WingTrades futures algorithm, and that allows you to trade fully automated while you're at your day job or sleeping. Um, It's 24 hours a day. And that's available on the website as well. You can learn about it, watch a whole bunch of free videos um, explaining how it works at the uh, most basic form. And uh, you can try it out and see if it's right for you. It's a great algorithm. Uh, We've got, I think, 15 or 20 people 
uh, using it day to day. I use it myself and absolutely love it. So you can find that at wingtrades.com. Um, I'm also on all the major social media platforms, but my day-to-day is is within the community on the trading floors. That's awesome, man. And you've also been active on the Stock Dads Facebook page, which we've appreciated you in the value that you've brought to the page. And that's how we got to know you. And, of course. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been fun to watch, uh, watch you interact and share some of your knowledge with the people in there as well. So we appreciate that for sure. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I love That's it. great. So, uh, you know, we'll just do our quick rundown here, you know, as well. Uh, obviously, if you guys aren't already, you know, make sure to check out the Stock Dads Facebook page. Uh, we got a pretty nice size and growing fast community of dads who are just trying to learn how to build generational wealth together and have fun and, um, you know, just be in community with one another. And, um, you know, obviously for this podcast, we appreciate all of our listeners. Uh, please, you know, like and subscribe and download the episodes and all that kind of fun stuff. And then um, we actually have a pretty fun announcement, um, you know, that we are uh, that we did announce on the page. But if you aren't uh, on the part of our page, we are going to be starting a discord um, to be determined the date of launch. But, uh, you know, we've been working hard at developing a pretty awesome a bunch of channels and, um, you know, different chats and different, you know, valuable resources and all that kind of fun stuff that we're going to make available to our stock dads uh, members and all that kind of fun stuff. So be on the lookout for updates with that. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, we're, we're doing our thing and, you know, we appreciate you guys continuing to listen to us and keep coming back. And, you know, if you guys have any, uh, requests or, you know, want to be a guest or know if somebody who'd be a good guest, feel free to shoot us a message on the Facebook page or whatever uh, way you can contact us. Contact Mike though. Leave me alone. Um, so I can go to sleep and get rid of this cold for a while. A couple of days you can reach out to me again, but no, uh, but yeah, no, it's been fun. Uh, we appreciate you, Aaron, uh, as always. And, um, you know, you guys have any last, closing thoughts thanks for having me i enjoyed it and the jokes were wonderful <laughs> awesome. it's a great way to end it i, I like that <laughs> I'll, I'll have to adapt some of that that's that's pretty good awesome man well we appreciate you we appreciate this and uh thank you guys and um mike i will see you next time i guess sweet <laughs> <laughs> can we get another co-host in here no, i'm just kidding i love you buddy i'm doing okay i'm doing okay you're doing great You're stepping up your game every week. You're better and better and better. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we are uh, out. Talk to you guys next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and join our Stock Dads community on Facebook and Instagram. But most importantly, don't touch the thermostat.